Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Alec Mappa Hot Mess with Matthew Dempsey, psychotherapist. I'm Alec Mappa, and I want to talk about um, all the things I ate and drank during election night, because I think it's... <laughs> That's a long list. And I'm Matthew Dempsey. I'm the psychotherapist here today. We're going to be talking about a lot of different things related to the election. Well, listen, um, I am not advocating what I did at all. Now, by the time <laughs> you listen to this podcast, we may or may not have a president by, by the time <laughs> Comes out. Yes, it's important uh, to acknowledge that we're recording yeah. this two days after the election day, which is dragging on to multiple days. Right, right. And I, I, I tweeted this morning that um, I, I want to see the uh, results so badly I peed on a stick this morning. <laughs> um, so, uh, so election night. This was my coping. I'm not. You know, the show's called Hot Mess, where yeah. we solve one hot mess at the same time. And I'm a self-acknowledged hot mess. And so I had a bean and cheese burrito. Yeah. I had a bowl full of Halloween candy <laughs> and um, six margaritas. Is that true? Six? Yeah, six. Wow. Well, I, 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 you know, I spaced them out over the evening. Very responsibly. I, yeah, I started at three. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I ended up, what time did we end up going to sleep, babe? Like 1030? Yeah, we called it about 1030. Like, yeah. this is what happened. All and right. now this morning, um, Georgia is in play. Yeah, there's wow. yeah, there's there's a lot of things that are still in flux, a lot of things that are still in play. So obviously right. important to note the fact that this is wildly anxiety producing for everybody, right. Right. no matter which side of the fence you're on. How'd you handle it? Well, you know, I'll be honest with you. I think I did a pretty good job. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes. Not did you buy like a box a, of donuts? No, I didn't. I, I just, because I know that I was feeling really intense myself and I know for myself, if I really kind of feed into that with like oh, overeating or any of mm-hmm. that stuff, it actually doesn't help me. And it just spins me out even more. So I just oh. do everything I can at a baseline. I ate healthy. I tried to avoid the news. I watched Euphoria because I haven't totally started that yet. So now oh. I'm on that train. It's great. I'm obsessed with it. I'm obsessed. But anyway, I've just, I, I just tried to not you know, overwhelm myself with it. But I for sure, especially because I was seeing a ton of clients that day in between every client, I kept checking the polls and seeing where we were at. (laughs) So I did indulge a little bit with that. But I think I I think I struck a good balance. Yeah, well, good for you. And you know, when I do bad things, it's not like I have no idea that it's bad for me, or I'm going to feel like shit afterwards. I'm just kind of like, I don't care. This is is a historical moment. And I'm going to be it's going to be met with Mexican food, chocolate and booze. Well, and then it's just such an overwhelming moment too. This is like, you know, this entire year and these weeks leading up to this moment and then this specific week, especially, this is not the, this is not really the time for us to have to kind of like dig deep and try to thrive and do everything so perfectly. This is like, let's just reach for like 60%. And if you're, if you're getting that, you're killing it. Like, okay, is the new thriving. So go for it. 60%. Give 60%. I actually stole that from a therapist I follow on Instagram. He just, he just kept saying like, don't try to kill it. He hit 60% and and you're like in a good space. And I'm like, 60% sounds great to me. Like, give me that day. <laughs> That's all. Really? Yeah. But also in, in our culture, everything is such kind of like hustle mode all the time that you feel shame if you're not trying to push yourself and achieve more. But exactly. I think this whole year, and especially this time, is the time to let let up on some of that. And so eat those, you know, eat those burritos and drink those six margaritas. Well, like, I, go I, for I, it. I think the anxiety is twofold. One, it's, you know, it's, I was expecting this. I was like, whatever has happened, there's going to be bullshit. No matter what, it doesn't matter. There's going to be, he's going to, he's, yeah, he's going to go nuts. Two is that uh, half the electorate of the United States Mm -hmm. wanted this to go on another four years. 
Right. Yeah. And that's, that is, that is it one. It's, it's, I think it's, you know, as a queer person, as a person of color, it's always important to know where you stand with people. Yes. And I think that what this election does is it has really kind of lifted the veil on our national consciousness, but yeah. how divided we are and how strong the feel the feelings are on both sides, but there aren't fine people on both sides. Right. <laughs> yes. That's okay. That's loaded, right? Because it's like the context in which that particular phrase was used was to justify white supremacists, you know, that were really kind of far right extremes. But I do think in the sense that there are there are good people on both sides is true to kind of say like all Republicans or 50% of the country are terrible human beings is doing everybody a disservice. That is in no way to justify you know, what people are voting for or what's happening because of their votes, but it is to start opening things up a little bit more. You know, like I keep hearing people talk about, like I had this, I had this client yesterday who was just like, I posted on Facebook, you know, that um, anybody who voted for Trump, like just block me now. And that's just uh-huh. the general consensus I hear all the time on our yeah. side, right? Yeah. Kind of on a more liberal, uh, from a liberal perspective. And it's like, I understand that. And we're just like, you know, we have our own defenses right now. And we just want to shut off any noise that, you know, comes from that place. But also we have to, at some point, try to find some openness to be able to bridge the gap. And again, that's not justifying you things. You talk to your racist grandma at some point. At, 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 at the some corner. point, you know, and of course you can decide yeah. who, who's appropriate to try and reach out to or not. But there's going to be some people that, that okay. are, are going right. to be Okay, I get, I hear what you're saying. I was Thank speaking you. in absolutes. <laughs> Uh, that's 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 who I am at the moment. You call yes. me on it, and I'm fine with that. <laughs> but what about gays for Trump? <clears throat> oh man, I saw that. It's something like it was something like twenty, you know, seven percent of people who identify as LGBTQ plus actually voted for Trump. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't even know if I can try to wrap my head around right. that right if now. There was a super super hot guy, and um, you guys went on a date. Yeah, and you have a boyfriend now. I don't yes. know. It changes every five minutes with you. <laughs> And um, firing on all the cylinders, just like, oh, God, he's so funny and he's smart and he gets me and we have common interests. Yeah. And uh, right before you're about to do it, he says, I voted for Trump. Oh, my God. That I mean, that would honestly be a, a hard no, like quite literally hard no. He's like smoking, <laughs> smoking hot. Like, no, crazy, I don't. Hot. Honestly, <laughs> sex is not that important to me. I've had plenty of plenty of you know good sex right. I, don't, I don't need to add to that roster and you don't so want sure. you don't want a good solid hate fuck to happen <laughs> that could be okay could maybe, be maybe there's some wiggle room when you frame it like that <laughs> <laughs> i mean the whole gaze for trump thing it's like roaches for raid i don't it's I, just he has, i don't yes he, he has made his position clear over and over again about where he stands on the yeah. LGBT issues and, and for you to continue to. Oh, but Tiffany Trump went out there and spoke about how he's fully on board with everything for us. How, so should we believe that? Right, right, right. <laughs> she, she seemed like a girl at the office party who stayed yeah. there. Yeah, really she did. Yeah, she went and sat on the Xerox after that speech. Yeah, she yeah. seems like Jillian from HR. Is <laughs> margaritas. Like, hi, everybody. It's like, they, every, it, it, it's the thing is like, I also loved Biden's speech yesterday about how he just was calling for calm and he was so presidential. And it was just even that little snippet of his speech was like a a breath of fresh air. I think the prevailing sense right now is that psychologically, because you are a therapist, it feels like everything's spinning out of control. Out of control. And we have to concentrate on the things we're controlling uh, that we have absolute power over, even if it's just our breathing. 
Totally. Point. Yeah, of, of course. But like real power, which is our authentic power, which is our ability to go inward and be able to regulate our own nervous system, right? To be able to breathe or meditate, whatever it is that helps us find that calm in our body mm-hmm. so that we then can respond to life instead of react to it. We can find ways of actually moving through life non-defensively. And that's what can help, you know, kind of clean things up across the board for everybody in our outer world, but also be able to, you know, overall kind of like promote more of like a positive self-concept for ourselves individually. Well, speaking of authentic power, uh, I'm so excited about today's guest. I am too. Our guest today is a celebrated actor and comedian known for his Tony-nominated one-man show, Laugh Whore, his scene-stealing performance as Anthony Marantino on Sex and the City, iconic, but most importantly, uh, his host of the children's program, Steampipe Alley. Please welcome national treasure, Mario Canto. Yeah. Well, hey. Oh, it's lovely to have you boys so excited about me. Look at <laughs> look at the light in your apartment. It's yeah, really well, I'm nice. at a window. You know, I don't have I have a ring light, but I didn't put it up. And okay. I, I know oh. I look like you know I, I've had the pigmentation ripped out of my skin. <laughs> Pretty horrifying. No, right in front of the lab rat from Westchester, New York. Um, (laughs) On your Instagram, I can. This is the difference. COVID in California, nice tan. COVID in New York, hi, I'm a fucking white guy. Oh, you on your Instagram stories, you have um, you have a view. You post all these views from your apartment. Yeah, I have my. We have a very big, large outdoor private deck, and we're on the top floor. And it's, it, I don't have a doorman. I live in a very kind of yeah. You know, but you have a view of the Empire State Building. It's yeah. I, oh, it's great. We have a, I have a we have a great apartment. Yeah, we do. We have oh, we nice. see that. We see that thing dance for us every night. It's very nice. Lovely. It's like, yeah. it's so like what a go-go boy. Walk us, um, walk us through your Tuesday night. I, I mean, look, you know, this. I knew it was going to go on a little bit. I, I, you want to know what I ate? I, I made salmon, which I never eat. But <laughs> I, I was trying to perfect the um, crispiness of the salmon skin and how you do that in the skin. Uh-huh. And it smoked the shit out of my fucking apartment. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Uh, but I, but Everything I did it. smells like fish. Oh my God. But I did it and it was really good. And I had a little bit of wine. You know, my go-to also, Alec, is tequila. I mean, I, I love margaritas and I, I make beautiful tequila cocktails, but yeah. I haven't been doing that too much lately. I've had a couple of glasses of wine. That's it. I don't, I don't want to get up the next day and feel like shit. And by yeah. the way, when I go to bed sober, I'm in bed till noon, one o'clock. It's mm. just, and you know what? I intermittent fast. So I'm like, well, fuck it. I'll stay in bed till 1.30 and I'll make breakfast and eat it too. And then, and that's, it works for me. What, where do I, what, what the fuck do I have to do? I don't know. <laughs> Nothing. I'm the laziest man in show business. I'm not, you see. Uh, you know, I'm lazier. I, no, I, you're not. You got to drive. You do this podcast. You do another thing. People are like, why don't you do a podcast? I don't want to. I want to <laughs> sit in bed and watch Turner Classic movies and then maybe CNN once in a while. That's what I wanted to. <laughs> do you, did, okay, first of all, uh, we mentioned Steampipe Alley. Uh, yeah, you grew up in New Jersey. Did you watch Steampipe Alley? Did you get that where you Matthew, were? he's too. He's Matthew. too. Matthew. Are you How too- old are you, Matthew? Oh, I thought you were talking about Mary. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh, you grew up in Jersey too? Yeah, no, I grew, up, uh, I grew up in Massachusetts. Oh, nice. Okay. Did you watch Team Pipe Alley? I didn't know. No. No. How old are you, Matthew? I'm 38. Yeah. Well, it started in it started in 1988 to to uh, 1993. It was on for five years. Oh, okay. So I don't know how old you were because my, my math. It was like <laughs> I it was like, like five ish. Imagine like, yeah, Romper Room hosted by Mario. 
okay. And uh, but you would like do like whole segments where in front of the kids as Truman Capote. Yeah, I would. He was name. What was his name? Moomin Coyote was was what we called him. <laughs> And, and, and I was at a cocktail party dissing everybody and I would come in and be like, look at that, that, that. I mean, I was just was terrible. I, and we got away with murder on the show. We oh, really how? did. You and couldn't, then, get, you couldn't then, do it today. Because we had a, I had an executive producer named Bob Woodruff who yeah. was um, this gay man who just hired me. And he was this like Floridian gay man that was just like, you know what? Go, I was like, can we do the Mommy Dearest Obstacle Course on Mother's Day every all right, go ahead. You can do that. I mean, he was like that. And then it was like, but he loved me. He was like, you're brilliant. You, you know what you're doing. And we just got away with the, I was like, can we, what my, <laughs> we had one writer, Judy Kachka. She was brilliant. She still is. And she, she, she came up with the, the Sammy Davis Jr. thing. Find Sammy Davis Jr.'s eye in the pie. And we didn't do it every week, but we did it like once a month. It was crazy. And then we had like sketches like Raging Pan, which was Scorsese's version of Peter Pan. And I was like Joe Pesci as Captain Hook. And then I was De Niro as <laughs> Pan. You know, I played multiple <laughs> roles in my sketches. And um, yeah, and we just, and, and then we, but at one point, my, <laughs> I said this in my show, but one point Bob Woodruff, my executive producer was like, you know what? This show's starting to look like a Fire Island cabaret. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, it is. Did you know, did they know how many adults were watching? Yeah, it was 52%. Oh, wow. Yeah, was, I, I, and, and with the, the target audience was eight to 15, and then, oh, there was so many, 52%. And by May, if, I mean, we only got the local ratings, but I'm gonna tell you something, by, we premiered with a 3.2 on a Sunday at 10 o'clock. And then we fucking, by May of 91, we were like at eights, eight point, it was sick. It was local ratings, but, <laughs> it, but it also went across the country to like about 150 markets on, um, on, uh, on cable, it was like a, Kind of a wow. passive superstation, they called wow. it. It was a superstation that was a bottom. That's exactly what it was. That was what that station was. It went a, just didn't tell anybody. They just did it, you know? A power yeah. bottom. Yeah. Yeah, it was a power bottom because it was a powerful children's show. It was so it sounds good. Like it, it was so good. It I was mean, good. I watched it a number of times at Sunday at 10 o'clock, right before te- people would tell me to leave. Um, you... <laughs> What's your anxiety level like right now? It's bad. It's horrible. It's my anxiety. On a scale of one to ten. Right now, I'm okay. I mean, but now I'm pissed. I mean, I was anxious. I, you know, Tuesday and even Tuesday night was just. I was like, we fucking lost. It's done. And then that. Then when he flipped Wisconsin, Wisconsin and Michigan, I was like, holy fuck. And now, like, I was like, I think he's gonna lose Pennsylvania, but Georgia, he might win Georgia, but yeah. Nevada. Fucking Nevada! It'll be done on Saturday or Sunday. Counting everybody at the buffet. Are you at the casino? Where are you? And you know, my husband, who listens more than I do to the news, not to me, but he he, he said, you know, they 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 uh, because it's the Republicans didn't want them to start counting votes until seven a.m. on Tuesday. You got the fucking votes. Just yeah. count them. What's going to happen? What, right. I mean, you you know, you get the information when you get the I don't understand right. what what the delay is. And then and so look, if he would I hope he wins Georgia because then we don't have to worry about Nevada, but if he loses Georgia and he loses um Pennsylvania, then we Nevada's the thing that we have Do you believe it all comes down to fucking Las Vegas? Las Vegas. <laughs> Christ. Las Are Vegas. you kidding? Las Vegas. Yeah. Luck be yeah. a lady tonight. 
Yeah. <laughs> but we're watching the, uh, you know, the, uh, the results like a souffle uh, through the window. I mean, it's yeah, on I know. all the time. Yeah. yeah. And you, and you got to shut it off. You got to, you, yeah. you got to go to a, you know, a June Allison movie on TCM. <laughs> Bad as that could be, it's better than what's going on now. Matthew, it's, what do you suggest people do? With keep, what? <laughs> no, don't no, keep from like, we're all, I, I feel like I'm obsessing. Yeah. I mean, you ha- I mean, you have to, you have to pay attention to, I mean, it's exactly what Mario said. You have to turn off the TV. You, you have do. to know yeah. how to regulate it. You can't have this stuff on as this constant buzzing of noise throughout the entire day. Cause it will make you crazy. Oh, absolutely. And that's when I get crazy. That's when I screw right before, you know, I, I came here, I, I had the TV on cause I just wanted to see what was going on. And they were talking about Nevada yeah. and it was like, are you kidding me? It's sad. And I just, I mean, I was screaming at the TV, yeah. just screaming. Yeah. I, yeah. I can't believe it. Yeah. Nevada, six Nevada. fucking points we have to worry about. Yeah. With Mario, Mario, <laughs> Mario, what's been the, in, the indulgent ways that you've been like, just trying to like cope with all this? Not like the healthy stuff, but like what's your indulgences? I cook a lot. I oh, okay. cook. Um, I do. I cook. Uh, I go for walks. I, I go out on my deck and dream of stardom. <laughs> um, I, I, uh, I don't, you know, I don't, you know, Pornhub, you know, a lot of stuff, it's, you know, there's, there's a lot of, ways. what are you cooking? What's your specialty? Uh, um, uh, <laughs> um, my specialty is, uh, I mean, I cook a lot of things. I, I, uh, what did I make? I made a, I made some salmon this week. I made some red snapper this week. I make, uh, I make a great gumbo. I have perfected Ooh. the gumbo. And I'm an, I, you know, I, I've been going to New Orleans since 1983 and I'm old. Is that so. where your husband's from? <laughs> no, his, his mother's family was from there originally. Um, but, um, but we, we went there a lot. I have, I have like, like family down there. Mm-hmm. Like family. And, uh, I love New Orleans. But I, but I, you know, uh, a friend of mine has been helping me and I just, I perfected my gumbo and I love, I could have it every day. I want to make a Saturday. Jerry, Jerry was like, we're not, my husband, we're not having gumbo again. I'm like, can we, I want to have it again. He was like, yeah. we're not having gumbo. Like, <laughs> Let me ask your take on this because this is something and I mentioned, I was talking about this at the top of the show, but it's something that I've been noticing a lot is just this kind of like this insane, um, you know, kind Restless of like. Restless leg syndrome? What? You <laughs> <laughs> no, that a lot, don't you? No, just about, just about how much. Obviously, most of what I'm hearing is from a very kind of liberal perspective, you know, yeah, like friends and, course, and other people. But a lot of people that are saying, you know, kind of posting on social media, saying like, if you voted for Trump, then you don't love me and don't talk to me and block I, me. What's your take on. I don't, this, you know, look, I'm Italian American. And unfortunately, there are so many of them mm-hmm. that voted for Trump. Yeah. In Jersey and yep. it's horror. and I know they're not just the ones, but and thank God you can look at the Cuomo's and Fauci and see sanity and mm-hmm. uh, some Italian Americans. You know, thank God for the Cuomo's. <laughs> I love them, but I, 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 my there's a lot of cousins I don't speak to. Mm-hmm. One of my best friends was my first cousin. I don't. I'm like I'm done. Yeah, and she was secret about it. Uh, we had a friend okay. like kind of controlling her Facebook and putting all this stuff on it. And I'm like, we're done. I said, so you love your gay cousin. You're so proud of your gay cousin with his black husband. Really? And you yeah. could go, I'm not, well, she's so fucking Boston. I'm not really that political. Apparently you are. <laughs> no, I don't want to talk about politics. Oh, shut the fuck up. Yeah. And, and you know what? And I said this yesterday on Twitter. I was like, the, the the thing is that that half this country, like you said, has voted for him. Yeah, almost half this country. So half of the country 
I mean, and, and the pundits keep saying, oh, we've got to reach out to them and see what they want. We've got to stop this divide and bring us all together. And I'm going to tell you what that half wants. They want on some level white supremacy. They want to be above. That's what they want. That's what they're secure. That's what they're comfortable in. That's what they are conditioned in. That's what they've been taught. That's what they want. Period. So how do you bring that together? You know, okay, so this is what How I've been do you, thinking do you, about. Do you extract the racism from their brain, mm, you know, no. in Dr. Frankenstein's lab? How do you fucking do it? All right, so this, this is my thinking about it is because, like, you're you're not wrong. There is absolutely overwhelming amounts of comfort of keeping the status quo, which is very much. Because it's not much, about money anymore. It's not mm, about money anymore. Mm, or taxes. I, I, I think all these things are related. I think all of these things are related. Whether you're, whether you're talking about money or white supremacy, these are all kind of external illusions of power, right? As we know authentically, that's not what makes us powerful, but it is for a lot of people. They don't, they don't know how to turn inward. And so this is a time where a lot of people are very comfortable and want to keep the status quo because there are so many people who don't have the capacity to be able to go beyond their own egos and find a different way of feeling safe in the world. And so I feel like that there's a lot of the people who are very coerced through a lot of gaslighting through Trump to be able to have their fears stoked more than ever, and then just continue to feel like he's the only one who can save them. So I'm not justifying this at all by any stretch, but I do think that there's a slightly different perspective that can help us maybe be more assertive in our approach, that can help us maybe find a way to be incredibly boundaried, but also still have some openness and fluidity through conversation that we can have. And the well, way that I've kind of thought about it, one last thing, the way that I've kind of thought about it is, to me, it kind of feels like, you know how you have that friend who's just in this like toxic, terrible relationship and you're yeah, like, sure. why don't you get the fuck right, out? Right. And you keep yeah. trying to talk to them. But at the end of the day, you realize exactly. like, they're just, they have their own shit that they can't get through. And I, I, I understand that, but I, I, I find that I don't, I think comparing it to white supremacy or racism that's in your body, right? it's a different thing. And I think it's different than money. I, you can love money and not be a racist and still be giving. I, 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 I right. think it is absolutely bottom line racism and some homophobia also. Yes, but, you of know, course. You can find plenty of gay people that white gay people that are racist and that voted for him. Uh huh. Yes. And, and and you know what? You we all want to reach out and like you said, you want to talk to them. You want to kind of find out. You you want to help and be yeah. codependent. I'm not going to be codependent to that other half of the fucking country. No, you don't have to. I don't have time, A. Second, it is it is not going to happen in my lifetime. And I tell you, you're 38. I don't think it's going to happen in your lifetime either because you yeah. look at the 60s and it's happening again now. It's just, I, I know I sound hopeless, but I feel um, that... I don't even. I don't even think it's hopeless. I just think it's. This is the way. I it think is. it's. I think it's. Cyclical. I hope I'm proven wrong, but I don't. I think. think so. I think it's cyclical. There is kind of a, a period of consciousness raising, which is what. Yes. yes. This yes. year, there's. They're already uh, polling that the the enthusiasm for Black Lives Matter is is starting to subside again. But until these things yeah. are are talked about constantly and yeah. are part of our consciousness, they're just going to keep coming up again. Absolutely. They're going to. There's going to be another police shooting before the end of the day. There's going to be another Karen who's harassing somebody in and the because, supermarket. And it's because like, we had a, we had a black president for eight years. Which is at this point in time, you're like, that was a miracle. Yeah. Unbelievable. Thank mm -hmm. God. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, you know, it was, it was, it was, I think it was all still there, but it was just under. It was under. Yeah. And now you have someone that's going, here, I'm going to light this fire. Uh -huh. Totally. Yeah. And I agree on, with let's you. Go. I agree with your deepest, darkest fears and anxiety. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to give them validity nope. and uh, hit it.
And I'm I not going to And now, if you know your scenario to Matthew about the guy, the hot guy that right before you sleep with him, yeah. he says, "Yeah, I'd sleep with him," and then I'd fucking spit on him and walk out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> There's your answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I would like to inject a little bit of hope here, and I know, I know that you're so hopeful. But well, that's your job. Allow, yes. You know, you, you, you're letting me. You're letting me be a fucking <laughs> lunatic. So I appreciate it. No, but I think that you're obviously both of you are kind of like speaking to what a lot of us are feeling too, and I think it's the emotional part of it is so valid. Can I you also, help me with my powder blue face, Matthew? <laughs> is that something you can do? I think you're. I think the lighting is perfect for you. Right, right in front it's of that. It's a light. boy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I do think, though, that obviously right now it's like where, you know, Trump is really helping shed a lot of light on a lot of the shit that was under the surface, you know, and kind of, hep- you know, kept unconscious or just hidden. Um, and I think that's a good thing. And I think the fact that we're able to see what's going on is what's necessary. And, I, and I've also paid attention to all the good that's come from this in terms of a whole slew of white people who have been able to check their white privilege in a way that they've never, they, yes. if I'm not that, in a ways that we have never been able to before. It's really elevated that conversation for people it with has, capacity but, for it. But those people were aware and wanted to do that. You know, No, I, I understand. But, and, and not everybody's always going to be able to be on the same page, but at least there's yeah. so much more of a representation of that Absolutely. kind of of that kind of work happening. And so I do think, yeah. I agree with Alec that things are cyclical. I think, you know, cause everything goes in waves, but I do think that it's kind of an imperfect, you know, line, but kind of waves in an upward movement. I think that there's, that there's so much more that's happening. And by the way, you know, I think it's also worth mentioning that this isn't just kind of like racism and homophobia and all this shit that's on the other side. This is inherent within all of us. We all individually possess both experiences of privilege and also experiences of, you know, kind of marginalized um, walks as well. And when we can kind of all do all that work where we can call that shit out for, for ourselves. And it's like, then we're modeling what that looks like. I think there still is a path to conversation and a bridge to be built with really strong boundaries. Yeah. But as a gay person, I feel like, you know, from the time I've come out to now, we've had as a community, a really complicated relationship with power to those in power. And I was coming of age during ACT UP and Reagan, where it was really clear where we stood and how a lot of the country was aligned with Reagan and Mm -hmm. happy to see us sick and happy to see us dying and not Mm -hmm. caring. And, and, and it's, it's just like, it's, it's been this kind of through line up until now, this kind of like tension line that's, you know, and, and we've, we've made undoubtable strides in as a community in the in the past 30 or so years but th- for me this is brought up like oh still still we're still like in, in terms of like okay okay like the supreme court is hearing um uh, a case right now about whether or not catholic um uh, foster adopt agencies that are mm-hmm. federally funded have the right to not screen lgbt couples as potential parents mm-hmm so yeah. it's kind of like every four years, I have to check in, like, oh, yeah. are my rights up for argument again? Yeah, totally. Is my freedom as a citizen? And you can't, And you also, as a comedian, you can't erase what you went through as a man that was gay, that was doing stand-up in mainstream comedy rooms, right. and mm-hmm. what, you know, what the jobs you didn't get, the jobs you got and were fired from because they found out you were gay. I have a list. Let's talk about that. Mm, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, but I you I feel uncomfortable talking about it because I'm a white boy, but it's like, I'm not talking about society because yes, I can pass walking down the street as some 
you know, Tofa tying guy or whatever, if you don't know who I am. I'm talking about in the past. Now you know right. I'm a fucking lunatic. But the point is, you know, back then, you know, as a comedian, when you're a comedian, you are who you are Yeah. on stage. And if you're hiding, it doesn't work. So, you know, right. but it, it, it's, I mean, there was so many things that I was so, my fear of being called a faggot at one yes. o'clock in the morning from the back of the room while you're on stage, which happened a few times, you know, it was, it was horrible. The fear that set in during all the, 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 the first 10 years of my standup, 15 years of my standup was, yeah. was, was horrible. And yes, I got booked on Johnny Carson in October of 86. And a week before they called me and said, mm, I watched your tape again. And I was booked. I watched your tape again. Mm -hmm. And I think you're, 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 um, too gay. You, yeah, they said you, you're, you're, and I wasn't even talking about being a gay, being gay on stage. I was just, but I was doing Betty Davis and Julia Child. So if you didn't know, you were a fucking idiot. <laughs> but um, you know, they were like, your 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 act has a gay edge to it, and I think it'll make Johnny nervous. Oh man! And then when you find out who got paid what, and then the other gay, the gays in it. Yeah. That, right. that when you did more, it's. It, I'm telling you, you know, and it happens with women too. You know, they, they they're fighting for equal pay in Hollywood too. And it's just, yeah. it's, it, you know, it's up to the, their leading man to go here, take half my money. For sure. Yeah. Take half my salary. So this you isn't, can, okay. Can but my question, my, so my question to you is because like that totally fucking makes sense. Like the yeah. experiences that you had obviously are actually you know, traumatizing. You're going to have a traumatic sure. response to that. The question is, what do you do with that though? Now, like, you know, how do you, how do you find that kind of balance where you validate and honor the fact that you've been affected by this, that there has been trauma that's there and also not perpetuate the, the traumatic kind of responses for you within you. So what do you do? I have, don't have the answer to that. I just keep, <laughs> I just keep moving forward, Matthew. I'm sorry. And you know, and I deal, I, I deal with it. You take it on a stage and you, yeah. keep, and you, you don't forget about it, but you just, you know, you try to, you, tr you try to keep going and even, you know, look, I also think this in the seventies when you weren't fucking born, Matthew, um, <laughs> I, gay rights were making strides. Yeah. It was, it was coming along. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really was. I mean, there were characters on t in TV shows, you know, there was the front runner by Patricia Nell Warren, the great book. I mean, there, there was so many, the great gay literature. There was gay liberation, gay liberation. It was happening. Yeah. And then AIDS happened and boom. Yeah, I really yeah. believe that pushed it back 30, 40 years. And just the last 10 years, it's been kind of better. But yeah. I think I think what AIDS did is it kind of like made the closet really impossible for Absolutely. everybody. It's kind of like, very, well, it, for me, certainly, true. I mean, it was never going to be closeted. But the yeah. fact that a whole generation of gay men before us who were out and who were proud and died yeah. makes it completely um, unacceptable for you to live any other way. You know, but you did, I wanted to say that you were really one of the people out there first who was playing the straight rooms and everything. And and, and Matthew, I don't know if you've ever seen Mario perform. Yeah. I used to sit in uh, and, and watch you kill at the back of rooms and just like people were like doubled over and crying. You used to, my favorite uh, thing that you used to do is you used to do the entire um, West Side Story. Oh my God, you've been watching me for a long time. See, West I Side did not know that you were you watching all West Side Story in five minutes. Yep. Up until Maria. And you would take uh, Maria saying, how many guns left, Gino? Yeah, how many bullets in this gun, Gino? Yeah. For enough of you? Yeah, well, I, when, when I would do Anita, I would put, pull, <laughs> wait, well, I would pull, I would pull the, 
a thing of not hoodie, but I, and I'd be like, Bernardo was right. If I were to see you bleeding in the string, I would walk by and spit on you. Touch it, touch it. Yeah. <laughs> so we talked about the homophobia of the eighties and everything. When did you feel like? But it, you know, it, I I have to tell you what what you were saying before. When yeah. I would like pack the room at Caroline's on weekends, and I would look out, and there's four hundred people there, and most of them were straight. Mm -hmm. and, and there were moments in the nineties where I would just be like, look at what I'm, I, you know, you, you don't always feel this as a comedian. Most of the time you don't, but there were moments where I was like, wow, I'm doing this. And this is like, cause gay people, gay yeah. men don't come, come to stand up. They also really don't come to see other gay men do stand up in straight clubs. They, they are, even though that's not a straight club, it's a room, it's a comedy right. room. But, uh, and I was sometimes doing like the duplex, which were more kind of mixed or gay cabarets. Yeah. But mostly it was the improv and the comedy cellar and Catch Rising Star. And, and, and back and then Scarlet. you had to sit through a lot of homophobic sets, a lot of racist sex sets, sure. a lot of misogynist mm -hmm. sets. And just like, I think a gay men have a complicated um, relationship with going to a straight club and, yeah, I think you, and I think go to the Laugh Factory or, or the Belly Room. My, my question for you was, did you feel like there was a point where it changed for you, where it was like, I'm just going to be myself and fuck it. And well, I think, you know, like I started, like I passed at the improv in 83 and I, I, like I said, I wasn't talking about being gay on stage, but it forced me to kind of just reach for original material. But mm. like I said, I certainly wasn't talking about women or dating or, you know, I just, um, and even now, I don't really talk about my marriage that much. I mean, people know, but I, this, I don't have like a chunk of material about my marriage. I don't. I, 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 I you know, I, I, I never went that way. By the early 90s, I started to kind of go, you know, throw it out here and there in certain, refer to it. But I, it was only, it was a very seamless thing. And it was, um, and that's even at that point in the early 90s when I would look out and go, this is unbelievable that they're, yeah enjoying this this much and yeah you're okay but then again i also knew i was you know in that room at that point i, I was i was sammy davis jr i was the black guy that they were okay with mm. that moment not all of them but you know what i mean like you know what i'm saying i mean i was terrified to go on the road terrified. did you ever have did you ever have a moment where you where you really felt like that people were laughing at you instead of with you no was that everything nope. no no but i did you know when I, I remember going to toronto and all those comedians were horrible to me horrible there was oh, really? one guy really? michael, michael mcdonald who was so nice to me even in boston when i first started not later but when i first started the only one that was kind to me and was so flattering and lovely and supportive was stephen wright he was like this was when I was in college, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I mean, later I, I gained respect from them, but it was all about the fact that I was gay. No question. No question. I mean, Ann Arbor, Michigan, it was horrifying. Right. Horrifying to go there. I, Ann I, Arbor, I, I, Michigan. Where's the scariest place you ever played? Toronto. Toronto. Really? Toronto was hard. But I, like I said, I didn't go on the road that much. I never played the South. Won't, would never. I, Florida which should snap off and float into the fucking ocean. Right. But I enjoy the audience, as I do have to say. Um, uh, no, I've never, I didn't, no. I've never um, even done like a, a headline set or, 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 a, or a, 
I never brought my show. I never brought Laugh Horror anywhere, really. Yeah. Because it was Laugh showtime. Laugh was so great. They they filmed it. It was a big special, blah, blah, blah. They they did they they weren't Broadway producers. It was showtime. They were television producers. They weren't concerned with touring it. But I would have toured, you know. I would I mean yeah. and because I didn't tour it, when you want to do your next show, producers like, well, you didn't tour that show. You and I'm like, I'll fucking tour. I, I don't mind touring. <laughs> I just don't want to go to the South. Uh, <laughs> Laugh Horror was great. How did that come about? How did it come about? Yeah, I'll I mean, tell you, Miss no, Walters. I mean, the, yeah, it's, um, yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, um, I don't know. It was just, you know, it was my material over a, 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 over a bunch of years that I just kind of kept putting together. And then I had my husband wrote some original music for it. And we did two nights at the American Airlines Theater on Broadway that the roundabout let us have on a Sunday and Monday night. Actually, two nights in May, two nights in June. And that was in 2000 three or 2002 and it was the beginning of it and it was a great time and a lot of people came but then it still wasn't finished there were still chunks of there was some musical material that wasn't in there yet so um i don't know i i i did i'll tell you how it happened i did um a 50th birthday party for mark sendroff who was a uh, theatrical lawyer and a good friend mm -hmm. and everybody was the Kay Ballard was there and Lily Tomlin was there and Liza Minnelli when I did her was screaming from the balcony please be kind <laughs> um yeah she did uh so I I just did and I didn't want to go that night I remember that night I was wearing a red sweater I did not want to go I was miserable I was like depressed I went Everybody, like a lot of different singers performed. I just got up and did like 10 minutes and it just was, it was crazy. Mm. And somebody showed that tape to a producer at Showtime, Jay Larkin, may he rest in peace, who started mm. in the special events department, concerts, then went to the boxing department because they mm. did away with special events and concerts and comedy. Um, they did away with it. And then it, they brought it back. So he brought me in. And he said, I showed that tape to my 80 year old mother and then someone who was in their 20s and he was like, and they both like loved it. So oh I know God, this amazing. is gonna work. So he said to me, we just gave Dave Chappelle his first special on Showtime. He had already had one on HBO and we wanna give you the second one. And how about this? I'm such an asshole. I went, Jay, no. I said, I wanna do it on Broadway and hmm. then you can film it. Hmm. How about me? I'm an asshole. Uh, I know that I am. And when it comes to shit like that, I, you know, it's, it's such a way of self-sabotaging. Believe me, don't think I don't know. But this. it worked <laughs> out. It did work out, but it believe me, out. I've done that before and it hadn't worked out. But, um, but also Jay was a theater guy. He loved theater. And then Bob Greenblatt had just gotten there. Who's, as you know, is a big theater guy. Uh, produces so many, uh, produced all those musicals for television and brought back the live musicals. So between, and then raw, um, Bob Greenblatt had, I think, went to college or high school with Joe Mantello, my director, and he they spoke, and that's how it happened. Oh, so good. That's and I remember so they were going to make it an hour special for television and for a showtime. I went, you can't. It has to be 90 minutes. I said, it's a two-act show. You've produced a Broadway show. You can't just cut an hour. you got to cut 30 minutes. And they did a beautiful job cutting it. They really did. They did an incredible job. They did, and they they enhanced the music. Uh, they did it. It was. It How, was what, what's the it experience was, like for you now watching a lot of out gay comedians of a certain age, like the kids who are coming up? What's that experience like? Isn't for you? that horrible that I have to tell you that I don't, I don't, and I, it's not because of that. It's I don't watch any younger, too many younger Neither comedians. Neither do I. At all. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you something, Alec. And when I was younger, and like someone like Robert Klein, who's a friend and I love, and he's the, one of the big reasons why 
I started doing comedy. It was him and Lily Tomlin, and they they were the ones for me, and 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 Steve Martin and Richard Pryor. But um, but I got to know Steve Martin a little bit, and I got to know Robert, and I met Lily Tomlin once a few times. Um, but you know, but they would come into the clubs, and they you know, and you were doing some sets on TV, but and they weren't watching it, and you were like, what the, what the fuck? Why do they live in a bubble? They're not watching younger comedians come up. Why is what is wrong? And now that I'm older, I go, no, because we did this already. We, I don't want to, it's like going back. You look, I watch Dave Chappelle every time he's got a special because mm-hmm. there's nobody better. Um, and he made me cool with the kids because I did his show. It made me very cool with the children. Um, <laughs> and I can always tell when someone recognizes you where they know you from. Like if it's a middle-aged woman, it's The View. If it's a, if it's a girl in a mini skirt. And great legs. It's Sex in the City. Yeah. If it's um, what about me? How would I know you? Uh, you probably wouldn't, because you're a homosexual. But <laughs> I do know you. I've I known know you for you years. I, I, you know me. I'll know. I know how you know me. Sex in the City. Yes. That's how you n- met me, right? I, know, I think Matthew. so. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. Um, but <laughs> but so uh, and then if it's a like I live I live across from the from the projects from the Chelsea Elliott projects in New York, which is where. Whoopi Goldberg was brought up in Tony Orlando. I don't think Dawn, but Tony Orlando grew up Mm -hmm. here. Um, And, you know, every time one of those kids is thrilled to see me, it's because of the Chappelle show. So there was, sometimes you're fooled. There was a moment I was on the street, I was coming around the corner and there was like four black kids and there were two two girlfriends there and very handsome kid in, in, in braids. He was gorgeous. And he just, he went, yo, man, you that comedian. I was like, yeah, he goes, man, you hilarious. I've seen you on TV. I'm like, oh, thank you. And I knew, you know, it's going to be Chappelle's show. And he went, you the guy that does that Liza Minnelli bit. And I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> and then he, and then he said, New York. Yeah, it's perfect. like, well, yeah, you might, you, and then he said, you might, he called me the N-word, you might, you know, and uh-huh. when they say that to you, you feel completely embraced and loved. <laughs> it's like, I will be that for you anytime you want. Um, that was the thrill. Probably one of the most thrilling um, uh, fan moments in my life. Anyway, and other comedians, uh, you know, I, I do watch them here and there. But I, 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 I don't I, watch anybody. I, mean, I know, I, Alec, we don't because we've done it. I know. Isn't it exhausting? Yeah, I barely want to go to the club as it is. Listen, I want to talk to you forever and ever, but we got to wrap it up. I Usually we wrap up with our guests, you know, with everything that we're going through right now. And I know, understand you went to therapy earlier this week. Do you, yeah, have, Tuesday. A, do you have a coping um, message for, on, on people on how to cope currently with what's going on? Just, you know, uh, do whatever you can that's not harmful to your body physically or harmful to your uh, emotional state to mm-hmm. just keep going. If you have to eat, eat. If you got mm-hmm. a drink, be careful. Mm-hmm. Don't, you know, if you're gonna do drugs, make it a Xanax. Um, no, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> no, you know, eat an edible, you know. Yeah. And, but look, just I can't say out that where you can't hurt anybody. Yeah, you can't say it, you know, you gotta, you've gotta know what, you can handle. Like, yeah. I know I don't want to get up the next day and feel like shit. Yeah, so I just, right. I'm careful with what I yeah. do in that. I really am. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not young anymore. You know, you, you used to be able to bounce back. And I do notice this. Tequila, if you can drink, uh, if you're not, you know, if you if you don't have problems with drinking, if you can drink, tequila is the one thing I think you can wake up after mm, 
two or three or four and yeah. be okay. Agreed. Exactly. But Agreed. wine, that's why I, but lately I've been drinking wine again, but it's only been like a glass of glass. Yeah, of I can't have a whole it. bunch of wine. Yeah. But get it. And champagne, I love. Forget it. You're All the sugar. the next day. Yeah. It's, oh, forget it. So yep. champ- champagne's clean. Where can people find you on, on your socials, Mario? Oh, oh, that's right. Well, I, you know, I do a lot. My job now is doing cameos. I do so many of them and I love them. So cameo.com slash Mario Cantone. You want a birthday greeting, an anniversary greeting. I can do a sweet strip tease. You know, <laughs> I'm just fantastic. A song, a dance. Oh, um, inst- Instagram. I think it's at a Ma Cantone, M-A-C-A-N-T-O-N-E. And that's my Twitter too. And, um, I've slowed down on the Facebook because they're Nazis. And um, yeah, and I just, this, as far as I just did, um, you know, I just did Pyramid again. I actually went in studio and did Pyramid, which was really fun. Match game's probably going to come up again soon. I do that every season. So, you know, it just I did so much stuff before this thing shut down. I, the last thing I did was an episode of The Good Fight uh, on CBS All Access. And it, it, it was the season finale. And I was coming home from Seattle from doing a musical out of town there, which I never go out of town for a musical, but it was a great one. And it just made me love Seattle even more. Mm. Wrong. <laughs> so um, uh, I come, I got this episode and they will, and they were like, you got to be there at six 30 in the morning. And I'm like, Oh Jesus Christ. I'm not good. So my trailer is a block away from my apartment. I was like, this is the greatest fucking thing. And we shot, Two blocks away from my apartment. I'm like, what? This was like a gift. That's perfect. <laughs> perfect. perfect. It's like you don't have to do anything. But anyway, um, so yeah, you know, I've been doing that. And, uh, better Things is coming back up. I hope to go back on that because I did a couple of episodes of that. You will. I love that. You will see. You, you don't you know. Will. But you know, it's all up for grabs. But I'm, I'm here if you need me. I love you, Mario. So I love great you too, Alec. Very you. much. So great anything meeting you, Mario. For you, anything for you. And Matthew, it was a pleasure meeting you. Such a pleasure. Careful. Yeah, be careful. Because I know you have, like he said, you got a different boyfriend every two weeks. Just you know, <laughs> oh either settle God. down or cut it off. <laughs> love you, Mario. Bye. Right. Bye, you guys. I can't think of anybody else I would have wanted to have on the show. Today. Oh my God. Perfect. Perfect comic relief for everything. That was the perfect Silkwood shower yeah. for everything. What's yes. your hot message, Matthew? Uh, I think my hot message to piggyback off of Mario is yeah. Make sure that you're finding a balance, right? Like do, do some of the things, maybe have some of the indulgences, know that you're going to still kind of feel some shit anyway. And, and to make sure that you're giving yourself a lot more leeway and forgiveness for that. I have nothing to add to that. That's great. Because <laughs> I already binged, you know, I'm just going to Christmas decorate for the rest of the year. All of my it. house. Where can we find you on the socials, Matthew Dempsey, psychotherapist? <laughs> you can find me at MJ Dempsey Psych on Instagram and Twitter and Matthew J. Dempsey Psychotherapy on Facebook. You can find me at Alec Mappa on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm also on Cameo. Look me up there. And you can find us both at the Hot Mess Pod on Twitter and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. Um, Ask us any therapeutic question. Ask us anything at all. We'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to download and subscribe. We're so grateful each week that you tune in. Um, We're nothing without you. So tune in next week. We'll have more Hot Mess fun. Bye. Bye, everybody. The Alec Mappa Hot Mess with Matthew Dempsey Psychotherapist Podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended as a replacement or substitution for any professional, medical, financial, legal, or other advice, diagnosis, or treatment. 
This podcast does not constitute the practice of medicine or any other professional service. The use of any information provided during this podcast is at the listener's own risk. For medical or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician or other trained professional.